0: You ready to have another recording go horribly wrong? Morning, everyone. This is Monday, October 3rd, 2016, and this is episode 25, take two of Do For A Win, the Atlantic City and Casino Biz podcast. I am your host, Kyle Askin, and with me, as always, is Craig Stone. Am I really the host? Is that a thing that I sh- that doesn't sound right? We're co-hosts. We're co-hosts. Yeah. yeah. Well,
1: and, and howdy, by the way.
0: Yeah, that's right. So, uh, for the longtime listeners, I guess there were a couple of things that were a bit different there. First, um... I said this is take two of episode 25. We actually recorded this Friday night, September 30th, and my MP3, my Skype recorder, actually ate the episode and said it was 66 hours long, and while it was a long episode, it wasn't quite that long, and it was horribly garbled and totally unusable. So here we are, back at it again, trying to get it right. And secondly, and perhaps even more importantly than that for all of you, way less important for me and Craig, is... um, We've decided to change some things up. I mean, this is a bit of a special episode, episode 25, I believe, as I said in take one of this. It's like the green chip of episodes. So we figured we'd change it up and I would be the person who sort of leads the show. And then we will just turn it over to Craig to kind of get into the nitty gritty of each of our our points we want to talk about uh hopefully this gives us a bit of a better flow and back and forth between the two of us but please let us know what you think of this um you know reach out to us on the facebook group or via twitter or email or whatever um we think that it worked a bit better the first time around i mean what do you think craig yeah i
1: mean i definitely think that was the best episode we've ever recorded possibly the, <laughs> the best episode of any podcast ever recorded yeah, so
0: it's it's too bad it's it's missing because you guys are really missing out on a treat.
1: Totally lost to history. So this is like, like the Tenacious D song, a tribute to the greatest song in the world. This is a tribute yeah. to the greatest podcast episode.
0: But it's just a tribute.
1: Not the real thing.
0: No, absolutely not. So uh, more pertinent for you, Craig, who do you think is going to win tomorrow night? Uh, for those of you who don't know, Craig is a gigantic Orioles fan, and I'm at least a, you know, The Orioles are my baseball team if I would call myself a baseball fan. so
1: I would say I'm in my default sports mode, which is cautiously
0: optimistic but also terrified. (laughs) We'll see what happens. All right. Anyway, getting to news that actually anybody in the world cares about that's listening to this podcast. Uh, you know, the city of Atlantic City has found a potential solution to all of their budgetary problems and the Bader Field problem and the water authority problem. So why don't you tell me about it, Greg?
1: Sure. Uh, So the note that I have about this is that the city is trying some weird shit with the municipal utility. And I think that kind of sums it up. I mean, not with any detail, but really the city has, has announced that the Water Authority has agreed to buy Bader Field for $100 million. So if that comes as a shock to you, A, congratulations on following mundane news, but also B, it should come as a shock to you because it's totally ridiculous because Bader Field has been up for auction, didn't fetch anything close to this price. Uh, a, A municipal utility purchasing it that is a property it has no use for is is very very strange and basically the deal or the reason for this is that the city could not figure out a way to or a plan to dissolve the the water authority and that was part of the stipulation of the loan from from the state uh, that helped them avoid bankruptcy so the city had this on its agenda five times the city council never passed it quite a few times it didn't even make it to a vote And so they were basically in violation of of the terms of the loan already. The state was starting to talk tough about what they were going to do. And the city suddenly announced this uh, sometime, I think, almost two weeks ago now. And it's a very strange move. Basically, the Water Authority only has about $7 million uh, in cash on reserve. So them agreeing to buy something for $100 million is quite strange. It seems like, to me at least, I don't know if you agree, that the state's just going to step in and and shut this down since the state does have quite a bit of oversight over the finances.
0: So I I think the first time that we talked about this, and sorry to kind of harken back to that over and over again, but uh, you know, again, this is the second time we're going through all this, but um, I said that... In the interest of fairness, I think that, you know, I was a person who was calling out Caesars for the financial shell game they were playing when they broke their company into three companies so that one specific arm could declare bankruptcy and not affect kind of the good assets that they wanted to shield. And to me, this is, it's not exactly the same, but it's pretty similar. I mean, this city is essentially selling some assets to not itself, but another government run agency. And this is a government run agency that does not have a hundred million dollars. Like you said, uh, they had like 5 million on the books. So it's not even clear how exactly this purchase is going to go through. So I'm not really sure what's actually going to happen. Uh, much like the Caesar situation. I, I think this is essentially a f- some sort of financial shell game and you said that there was no purpose for this land for the MUA they said they're gonna put a couple windmills there Craig oh
1: yeah I did hear that Um, yeah (laughs) so I guess sorry there is clearly (laughs) a purpose but it's interesting because Don Guardian I think has been he's basically come right out and said like this is a brilliant maneuver and made it almost super clear that the reason they're doing this is because they can agree, they cannot agree to uh, dissolve the water utility and since the state wants to come out, uh, come, come after both the water utility and Bader Field, this sort of takes Bader Field maybe out of that uh, realm, or not necessarily takes it out of that, but it wraps it under under the water utility and makes the water utility in deep, deep debt so that the state wouldn't want it in the first place. So he, I think he even used the words poison pill. Uh, he also said that other than vengeance, there's no reason to try to stop this deal. And that was a quote from an uh, Observer article that I'll link to in the notes. And Moody's has basically said they think this is a credit negative uh, for the city, probably because it's a financial shell game. It puts the water authority in deep, deep debt. I think they said it ups their debt ratio by something like seven times. So it just seems strange. I can't imagine it goes through, but I guess we'll see.
0: We will see. As I've said over and over again, we'll actually see when something actually happens. So we still haven't gotten there yet. All right. So... Uh, Another piece of big city-slash-state news that has come out is that the lobby that was working to get the North Jersey Casinos approved in the referendum uh, this November has officially ceased operations for this election cycle, correct? Do you want to talk a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah, so Our Return, NJ, which was really the one marketing arm or organization, I guess, that was trying to drum up support for the referendum that's going to be on the November ballot for North Jersey Casinos has decided that it's just not worth their money anymore to campaign. They were really totally outspent by the the anti-group, which were several uh, marketing groups or whatever these organizations are called that really were hammering their message home. And this group is run by two developers. Uh, Paul Fireman, who I think wants to open something in Jersey City, and Jeff Gourl, I have no idea if I'm saying that right, if it's Gourl or whatever, but who is at the Meadowlands racetrack, uh, who allegedly was going to partner with Hard Rock to open a casino there if they got the license. So they were partnering up and and basically said, the polls are going the wrong direction, we're spending money on this, and at this point it's just not worth it anymore. And so the quote he says, the data speaks for itself. The current political climate in New Jersey and voters' concerns about the lack of details relating to the effort have proved overwhelming. And I think that really just sums it up entirely. Like the voters seem to be against it. The details just don't seem to be there from the state at all, as far as what the tax rate's going to be. We don't even have that established. Uh, where the money's going to go. There's been a bunch of vague stuff from this our turn nj group about senior citizens programs which is the same uh, argument that atlantic city used in the late 70s in 1978 when they passed it so it was almost like they just ripped it right out of the playbook and said oh this will work again old people vote but there were no specifics at all and i think that totally doomed them and it seems like they're realizing that now
0: Uh, i have to say one of my and this is totally off topic but one of my pet peeves is when Government agencies say you have to pass a bill because that's what we're going to use to get funding for whatever education, senior citizens, whatever you know, demographic or whatever cause they think is going to really help curry them votes. When, I mean, it's just like completely ridiculous that that a state or that any government would say this because they have control of their budget. So saying that this one revenue source is going to be the only way we can we can fund you know senior citizens or all of the revenue from this is going to go to senior citizens i just has always struck me as ridiculous i mean they say the same thing about all the state lotteries they're like you can't get rid of the lottery that funds education
1: yeah and who's against education you in maryland i think you used that very successfully to get casino gambling passed and then to get it expanded it's just say oh all this money do you want your taxes raised to fund education or do you want to have gambling to fund education
0: do you, do you hate education? You can't vote against this if you don't. So, yeah, don't it, it rubs me the wrong way. Anyway, like you said, I think for this specific uh, campaign or this specific bit of news, uh, the polls are or were trending the wrong way. I read that it was that the latest polls were double digits that it was going to not be passed. So I, I probably saw the writing on the wall and just decided to, to shut it down and come back in two years and try again. Yeah. I
1: think the latest Stockton poll was over 60% uh, against which the polls have bounced around a surprising amount, which is kind of strange. One of the things that I just want to touch on really quickly is that uh, the press release about this suspension of the campaign Mentions just kind of very near the end as almost a throwaway comment even knowing that an out of country gaming company that sends New Jerseyans gaming dollars to Malaysia is funding opposition ads does not have an impact. Uh, that is a very strange thing to throw in here because it's the most compelling argument I've heard made as far as a campaign strategy, and I never heard that argument made at any point. So Here you had this sort of bullet in the chamber that you never fired at any point. And the the Malaysian group is obviously Genting Group that runs Resorts World uh, that is in Queens in New York City. And yeah, they're a Malaysian casino company. I'm assuming a decent amount of New Jersey people go there, although I don't really know. It is a huge pain to get to Queens from New Jersey. (laughs) I don't know that it would be that much easier for me to go there than to Atlantic City. But it's just an interesting... Point to make that they failed to make this point until they announced that they they're suspending their campaign.
0: Uh, the last bit of state slash city news that we have is our good friend Steve Sweeney wants to pass a piece of legislation that essentially is, I mean, it's written with general language, of course, but the legislation essentially says that Carl Icahn if you close the Taj in October you're not going to be able to reopen it for five years um do you want to get in, go into a little bit more detail about that
1: yeah sadly that's kind of the sum- summary uh, I say sadly so maybe that tips my hand as to what I think about it but basically the idea is I feel like I start all my sentences with basically the idea but basically the idea behind this bill is that uh They want to keep people from warehousing casino licenses, or at least that's uh, the way they're putting it to try to get support for it. And what they're concerned about is somebody like Carl Icahn closing a casino like the Taj Mahal, which I say like, but really the bill is created for this, as you said – And they don't want them to just be able to reopen it as a new entity, which is something we've talked about, uh, I think, either last episode or the episode before, the rumors that that might happen, uh, just as a way to bust the union. So they don't want an owner who has a casino license to hold all the power and just be able to say, oh, well, you don't like our deal? Well, we're going to close, kick you all out, open up in six months, and we won't have union employees. But we've still got our casino license, so who cares? Uh, So that's kind of the idea. I think that is the idea, <laughs> and I don't know what you think about that. Is that is that a good idea for right now to be doing? You know, when you've got four casinos closed in the last
0: a little over two years, maybe. So here's the way to think about it. I think that if this legislation uh, helps convince Carl Icahn to not close the Taj, then. It's worked out pretty well for the state. It's worked out pretty well for the city. However, if this legislation, all it does is piss Carl Icahn off and have him figuratively burn the Taj to the ground and then salt the earth behind him, then it was very unproductive and didn't do anything except spike Carl Icahn. So I think it depends on what you think uh, this legislation is more likely to do. And given the timing, the fact that The Taj is closing one week from today, and when this news came out, it was closing about two and a half weeks from that date. I don't think it's real likely that it is going to affect whether the Taj stays open or closes or not, so it's not my favorite piece of legislation in the world.
1: Uh, Yeah, just knowing, or not knowing Carl Icon, but knowing a bit about Carl Icon and having read about, you know, this is a guy who invests a ton of money, buys up a bunch of shares and becomes uh a very active investor and tries to you know push change change boards around push executives out this is not a guy who is going to get pushed around uh over some investment that probably to him is not a huge sum of money <laughs> you know the the losses for him closing this is probably not gonna do that much damage and if anything he probably feels like he's investing or, or set out to invest a lot of money in the casino in the first place. And that's not to say that, you know, he's some angel who's coming in and trying to save Atlantic City. Certainly you wouldn't be doing it if, if the money was not in it for him. But I just can't imagine that this is going to do anything but piss him off. And if this passes and says, okay, you can't open the Taj for five years, the best case scenario, I think, is that he sells it, which I don't know. I mean, there's so many closed casinos you're basically asking somebody to find a buyer in a very difficult situation. And the worst case scenario is he just says, Oh yeah, well screw you. I'm going to sit on this thing for five years and you're just not going to have a casino. And to me with Atlantic city and the position it's in now, you want, and the state, the state budget sucks. (laughs) You want gambling revenue coming in and a closed property doesn't help that, especially when it's going to be the fifth closed property, uh, In the last couple of years So I I just don't think it's a good idea I'm totally with you on that
0: Right And it's not only that But Carl Icahn has turned down many offers Or at least a couple offers that we know about To sell Trump Plaza And it's taken him forever To sell some of his other properties He has in Las Vegas Like uh, the Fontainebleau I believe he is still the owner of Is that right Craig?
1: Yeah I'm pretty sure he's at least heavily involved
0: So I, I don't know if this is going to have the effect that the state government is hoping that it's going to have but we'll see I mean has this actually been passed I haven't seen anything about it so I have
1: not heard anything updated I do not think it's yeah. gone through because I'm pretty uh, sure we've so. come across our,
0: <laughs> right, our radars our, but. Our radar. so so I'll, I'll just like everything else in the state city news I'll assume that nothing is going to happen until something actually happens but I don't think this would be a very good idea
1: yeah, and I would think that the other casinos involved would step in and say, hey, let's not do this and maybe push the right buttons with other backers in the state. Who knows? Uh, you you kind of never know what goes on in these that leads to support of a bill like this. Obviously, this is very union focused and pro-union. And it just came out today that Local 54 is heavily pushing Steve's we need to run for governor. Uh, I just saw that in the press of Atlantic City. So uh, maybe there's a little bit of that motive there, but I won't get too much into the sort of conspiracy <laughs> theories maybe I already have. Yeah.
0: All right. So I think we can move on from the city-state news. a um, big piece of hotel news this this week or this episode is that Harris is doing a $30 million re- renovation on the Bayview Tower, which is going to be completed next summer. Uh, do you want to get into that a bit?
1: Yeah, this is totally a surprise to me. Uh, because to me, the Bayview Tower is the second best tower at, at Harris. Like when I see Bayview Tower comped, that's very nice because usually I'm only, only getting Marina and Harbor.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think I've stayed in the Bayview Tower. I believe I've stayed in the other three. I think I've stayed in, in Marina Harbor and Waterfront. Is yeah, that Waterfront. Yes. Yeah. Right. So, but I don't think I I can't remember staying in Bayview though. So I, I'm not sure.
1: So my understanding about Bayview is that they're pretty dated. Certainly their views seem to indicate that those rooms are pretty dated, although I can't imagine they're as bad as Harbor and and Marina. Those are certainly seen as the two worst towers. So the press release that Harris put out or that Caesars put out about this says that the rooms will boast approximately 600 feet of space Uh, That the redesign will have rich hues of lavender and blue accent colors, contrasting white and gray tones and contemporary furniture, as well as 55-inch LG LED televisions. So, I mean, that just sounds like a sort of cleaning and redoing (laughs) of the carpet and changing the sheets or the duvet covers and... All that kind of stuff. I have to say, you you
0: really love reading those press releases. I enjoy it. And you really, you know, you emphasize, (sighs) like, like lavender. (laughs) It's a passion. You love it. I know. It's a passion. You you think you can't get enough of it?
1: I'm trying to figure out how to get on lists so that people will send them to me directly and I don't have to go find them. I would love to read those things all day.
0: Uh, probably if we put more content out at Do For A Win and these companies thought that we would just run their press release, that we would get all the press releases we could handle.
1: That is true. They'll find you. Um, yeah, oh, they'll find you. So obviously my first reaction was, shouldn't they do the Marina and Harbor Towers first? But the reasoning behind this, as they stated in the press release, and I won't quote more as much as I want to. <laughs>
0: I You love it
1: is that the Bayview rooms are really close to the new waterfront conference center. And so clearly they're making a move to try to get conferences in. They will probably put the hotel blocks for conferences in the Bayview tower once it's renovated. And so they feel like this does more for their bottom line than making the worst towers nicer. They figure, let's make sure the conference people are satisfied. Uh. This is actually part of a $200 million investment into Caesar's Atlantic City properties. Other feature plans include upgrades to the pool after dark, which I know we take advantage of quite frequently. And by that, I mean never. Um, although we do go sit out at that donut shop and drink our frozen drinks over there. Yeah, yeah, it's great. And I guess, I don't know. I mean, I my first reaction to this was, do people who book these rooms or book a hotel for a conference really go out of their way to stay in the tower the correct tower that's closest to the conference center or are they just like it's harris i'll just book harris
0: i suspect that uh, most people who set up conferences uh, have a specific block and you're supposed to use some code and then you'll get a discount on your room and that would probably be in this tower that they are renovating, the baby tower.
1: Yes, that's true. I am notorious, not notorious because nobody actually cares. Uh, I end up not booking the conference rate semi-regularly because I either find a cheaper rate ever other, elsewhere or I wait too late to book and the conference room is all booked up. The conference block (laughs) is all booked up and I end up having to book on my own. Uh, Typically not even in the hotel that the conference is in. But to me, if I'm looking at the rooms and I never go to conferences, so I'm a terrible person to talk about this. I kind of just feel like, oh, well, I'm in the hotel, so who cares? But obviously you're right. If it's a block thing, I'm going to guess most people are, are booking with company money anyway and getting reimbursed and don't really care where they book. They'll just book wherever the conference says to go. So probably a smart move.
0: Yeah, I mean, and and I think it makes sense. While no one really enjoys when they go to Harrah's and they're in the Harbor Tower and their showers don't drain and you just are standing sort of mid-leg deep in water, um, it's probably really important for them to please their conference guests because that is a lot of money, uh, both from renting out the conference space, the ballrooms, selling all these hotels at a pretty decent price, getting people in the doors that would not usually be there. I uh, I think it's probably a pretty big uh source of revenue for them, so I think it makes some sense.
1: Yeah, and really from a revenue standpoint, it makes sense not to get too wonky on this, but you know, there's a reason that non-refundable airfare or flying on a Monday morning is insanely expensive, and it's because they know that so many people are not actually paying for it out of pocket. Their company is paying for it. And so especially in Atlantic City where week, midweek rooms are dirt cheap, uh, this is probably a chance to generate a lot of revenue, really to go up exponentially in what they can charge for these rooms midweek if they can drive a good conference business. So I expect they have done the math and are not fools about which tower they're, they're renovating as much as I would prefer them personally to see them renovate marina and harbor towers
0: i mean it's not even about driving up rates necessarily it's about filling these rooms midweeks so that they would never normally be able to fill especially in the off season because if you're running a conference it doesn't really matter what time of year it is especially if you're staying in the in the marina anyway it's not like you're on the boardwalk so
1: i get that conference money charge 50 bucks for a box lunch yeah man Uh, want to talk All about right. Resort fees? That's how you pay for these renovations, Kyle, resort fees.
0: Yeah, so resort fees have gone up, thanks to Mark and the Facebook group uh, for pointing this out. Uh, he said that the Caesars fees went up to $32 from whatever they were before, 28 something And when he told us that, Craig updated the website, and well, since he was already in there, he decided to look at all of the other hotels in Atlantic City, and you found out a couple more of the resort fees went up. So do you want to talk about that?
1: Sure, just really quickly. I was pretty shocked that i hadn't heard about this because I thought either somebody would have mentioned it or tweeted it or complained about it, or I would have seen it since I checked Total Word site pretty obsessively but i've never, i haven't gone through to the booking phase in a while so uh, Mark, as you mentioned in the Facebook group who has been the the facebook m v p the last few weeks at least as far as sheer number of mentions on the podcast uh, Notice that he, when he booked a comp room, there was 32 dollars on there instead of, 27,80, I think it was before. And that's because they've added three dollars and68 cents to the uh, resort fee, which rounds up after tax to 32 dollars even. So that's uh, even before you pay for the room and the tax on the room rate you add $32 to whatever it is that you are paying. Um, Golden Nuggets fee also went up $5 from 10 to $15, taxes included on that. Tropicana's fee went up from 12 to $15, and taxes also included on that. But it's interesting because Caesars now, the Caesars properties, Bally, Caesars, and Harrah's, have almost double the next highest uh, resort fee. So at $32, the second highest is actually resorts, which is kind of funny, at $16.40 and then you've got uh just about everybody else is $15. Golden Nuggets 15, Trap is 15, uh Borgata I think is 15. And so it's interesting because I guess it just speaks to how big their ecosystem is that they can do this. And uh I don't know. I mean, to me, when I'm looking at comped rooms and I see $32, it's kind of annoying to me because it means that they've set this artificial floor of 32 bucks. So I don't know how you feel about that. Do you? Does this dissuade you at all from staying at Caesars Properties? Yes. Really?
0: Yes. I mean, it's twice as expensive as the next most expensive, right?
1: Yeah, twice as, almost twice as much as, as resorts. I don't know... I might spend 16 extra bucks to not stay, to, to be at Caesars, especially instead of resorts, just because of location and nicer rooms. Uh,
0: right, but, but still, it's not like, you know, I guess Caesars is, other than Borg, it probably is the nicest casino in Atlantic City, but it's just, it's completely excessive, and... For me, it's like if you are going to stay there and if you just don't care what the resort fee is, then you're just encouraging everyone else to raise their resort fees. So I will try to make it a point to not stay in Caesars. Unless, unless, Craig, unless you get your founder's card and then we don't pay the resort fee.
1: Right. So the... Uh, whatever the math is on whether the founder's card is worth it or not, which we talked about in, the, yeah. in episode 23 with Eric, just got add, a little bit.
0: $64 to it just, just from this trip coming up.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I think what annoys me about it is the idea that it sets this floor where midweek, you know, the fact when I'm getting a free room, it's because they cannot give the room away. Like, I'm such a low roller that... If I'm getting it for free, it means that they will not fill the casino. There's no way it's going to happen. And so now, instead of getting me into gamble and really enticing me to come, they're saying, well, you can come, but you're going to have to pay $32. At this point, if I'm going midweek, I'm getting comps at resorts. I'm getting comps at Borgata. And and why in the world would I pay $32 to stay at a Caesars property when I can pay $15 to stay at Borgata? It doesn't make any sense.
0: No, it doesn't make sense. Um Basically, I don't think you should.
1: Yeah, I don't think anybody should. So unless you just really, really love Caesars, in which case you've probably figured out some way to get around this fee in the first place. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then, yeah, I mean, if this bothers you, certainly just take your money elsewhere.
0: So if you don't mind, let's let's take a quick non sequitur away from this just to remind people that – We are doing a do-for-the-win meetup on Friday, November 4th at 7.30 at the Wild Wild West. Uh, Definitely let us know if you're going to be there. But uh, you're planning on going Friday through Sunday, correct, Craig? Yes. I'm probably going to go Thursday through Saturday. So the question is, where should I stay thursday night should i stay just somewhere totally separate and weird compared to where i'm going to stay friday night which i assume will be you know close to all of you guys should i try something new out should i look at non casino properties what What should i do
1: i don't know why you'd look at non casino properties especially if a casino property is going to be free which it is on a thursday, which it is, it's th-
0: thursday night and
1: i mean i'd almost guarantee that you're getting that thursday night comp at borgata because i'm pretty sure i am
0: Mm, I last time i checked it was 59 dollars.
1: i would check again because i just got an email today and it was it was comped for me so i would check it because i bet oh. it's comped uh well i'll have to check and if in that case we're got it done
0: stay bored. yeah uh,
1: otherwise i don't know like if i guess see what the rate is it's something like golden nugget might be interesting i don't know like that's the place that we just haven't spent much time i know you're not really a fan so maybe that's not a good suggestion
0: <laughs> yeah I like i'd stay there i mean i i always get resorts and and drop free as well so that is an option
1: how about the inn at the irish pub
0: that is true i could do it
1: that would be quintessentially atlantic city like pre, pre-casino even and you'd have a story to tell
0: I would have a story to tell. Well, anyway, we can, we can figure that out later. I just wanted to bring that up. I'm trying to figure out where, what I want to do and where I want to stay for, for my portion of the trip. So and anyway, let's, let's move on, uh, to actually what I think is probably the biggest piece of news that came out, uh, in this episode is that the rebel now has a new name. And unfortunately for Mike C, it's not the pearl. So do you want to tell us what the new name is and how Glenn Straub came up with it?
1: Sure. I mean, it should have been the Pearl. I'll say that. Uh, The one they came up with is 10, and I don't think it was Glenn Straub who came up with it. This actually got posted in a press release from Robert Landino, who's a Connecticut developer, who was actually rumored a couple months ago to be in talks with Glenn Straub, and the next day – the press of Atlantic City, I think, asked and Glenn Straw was like, I've never even heard of Robert Land, you know, and then they pressed him a little more. And he's like, oh, yeah, OK, yeah, he's one of many people we're talking to. And then here he is giving out a press release saying that he's the CEO of the management team and they've signed a 25 year lease and it's going to be 10 and it's got this Infinity logo. And they've brought in Alan Greenstein, who's the former Revel CFO, is also going to be the CFO of 10 and the twitter response was not particularly good so what's your feeling on 10 and the logo
0: first off, the first thing that confuses me is that they're bringing back anyone from the revel executive team That just blows my mind. I know it's the CFO. I know that he doesn't have much to say about how they ran the casino or anything like that. But personally, I don't know if I would go near anyone on that executive team if I'm reopening the rebel considering what an unmitigated disaster that was. I don't know if you have thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, I was really surprised by that also because I would think they would want to do everything they could to distance themselves. I mean, again, CFO is not somebody who's making – huge property-wide decisions, I would think.
0: <laughs> but, and by all accounts, it was never any financial issues or anything that got Rumble in trouble. It was the actual operation of the casino.
1: Oh, yeah. It was, I mean, the, there's a laundry list of things, but marketing, operation, design, uh, elevators <laughs> not going to the casino floor for the hotel.
0: <laughs> right. So, anyway, about the the 10 and the logo, I think they're they are awful. I mean, I think that it's a pretty terrible name i think that the pearl as an example would be a much better name i don't why is it called 10 if the logo is infinity i mean it just it doesn't make sense on so many levels
1: it's quite weird um and certainly you know people made a lot of jokes about it on twitter already things like I can't remember ten months, ten for the number of months it's going to be open, and or infinity for or the delays that it's taking. I think were <laughs> a couple of the jokes. Uh, so the press release, um, humor me again <laughs> in the press release. So this press release from uh, from Tan, I guess, is the name of the company. Ten, joined with our Infinity logo, represents our mission to provide the highest-rated amenities and our daily endeavor to offer an infinitely perfect escape for our guests, families, and businesses. So that is just A++ plus press release speak. It is complete and utter bullshit. I don't think there's a meaningful word in there. I think it's even – it feels like a stretch to say that Ten – even means like 10 out of 10 i don't is that even what you think of when you hear the word 10 i just don't even put that together in my head
0: i i suspect that is what they were going for like and hey, it's a 10 like yeah it, it does have good connotations with it uh like i said i don't really like it but honestly i don't think it, it, it really matters once it opens up once it's operating you'll just be like yeah i'm going to 10 whatever and then you won't even think about it, but, but for the next six months or however long it takes for them to open, it'll be some, uh, a source of constant derision for, for them and something for us all to, to make fun of them about and laugh about.
1: Yeah, certainly if it fails miserably, people are going to point to this as the first sign that things were amiss. Um, I mean, I would argue the fact that the press release came out and that Glenn Straub didn't seem all that happy with the fact that a press release came out and that you've got a guy who is, has not run a casino operation before as the ceo of the management team those are probably bigger concerns than the name because at the end of the day if it kicks ass people aren't going to care what the name is like they're just gonna
0: uh,
1: you know if it comes out and it just oozes class and everything's great 10 is gonna mean great things 10 will mean 10 out of 10 exactly like they said if it sucks then everybody's gonna laugh about it so i think the name is only as meaningful as the property is good or not good so uh, yeah, I'm totally with you on that as far as it's going to be mocked for six months, and then once they open, people are going to be focusing on things that are not the name, unless it, it just goes horribly wrong. The other thing is that Glenn Straub had mentioned that he was considering Zen, which is uh, meant to draw this Asian crowd, uh, Asian gamblers that he's really keen on attracting, and he was trying to sort of spin it like 10 still does that. And I really don't see that at all. I don't really see how that works unless 10 has some meaning that I, that I don't get, but <laughs> it, that seems kind of strange to me and, and disjointed.
0: My my suggestion, if you want to attract the, the Asian gamblers is probably not to ban smoking in your entire casino. But although I personally loved that about the rebel, but I, by all accounts, that was horrible for business. Yeah.
1: And since smoking, you have to have, like, 75% of the casino floor non-smoking anyway. When when the ceilings are that high as they are in Revel, I think it probably doesn't make that much of a difference. I mean, certainly there are people who just hate the smoke, but I'm going to guess most of those people aren't hanging out in casinos too much.
0: Right. Um, but, no, I don't know why 10 would attract Asian gamblers to me. That doesn't make much sense. Nope. So... <laughs> so uh... The other kind of piece of big news is that despite his outburst at the hearing, uh, the CRDA has approved the site plan. So uh, there's still a bunch of steps that Glenn Starob has to go through, like get a certificate of occupancy from the city, which he famously didn't get, which is famously why the casino didn't open back at whatever his original release date was. Uh, he needs to get a casino license still because that still hasn't gone through. So there's still a lot more stuff that Glenn Straub needs to do, but but he at least has a CRDA approval. So is there anything more you want to put up, talk about that?
1: Yeah, this seemed kind of strange because everybody seemed so down on, on it after the meeting, kind of shocked by his uh, reaction where he said, withdraw and stormed out, which we've already talked about and don't need to get into again. He actually even won a concession on this uh, about $100,000 in back taxes that that Revel owed back when it was open. And basically what they said is we'll just let the courts decide because that's still going through bankruptcy court, which is obviously where Glenn Straub bought Revel out of a bankruptcy auction. So yeah, a lot still needs to go on. It seems like a pretty big win. I mean, this is a huge step forward for them, obviously something that... Arguably should have been done a long time ago. <laughs> um, but, like you mentioned, there's still other steps that need to be done. Actually, the press release from 10 mentioned a goal of opening in the first quarter of 2017. So that would be January, February, March. It's unclear to me if that means just the casino or the whole property. Uh, obviously, Glenn Straub has thrown out multiple dates june 15th now he's he said early october i think which is early october now so clearly that's not happening and i don't know i mean we've talked many times about how it doesn't really make any sense to open in the off season do you think that q1 is realistic do you think it's smart where are you at on on this announcement
0: I think if any other man other than Glenn Straw were running this I'd say it's both realistic and smart but given all of the problems he's had so far I might want to, I'm backing off of the realistic claim a little bit however assuming that you know he has a competent team in place and he gets all his licensing in order which there's 6 months until the end of Q1 2017 there's no reason that this shouldn't happen honestly it, it shouldn't be a problem to get everything ready to go to open up in the next six months. I mean, especially considering rebel was in pretty good shape when it closed down, unless something really terrible happened while it was closed, it, it shouldn't be that big of a deal to get it back open.
1: And who knows, maybe Landino's the guy who jumps in and and whips this whole thing into shape as far as just getting the freaking paperwork in to get a certificate of occupancy and get the the gambling license. I mean, obviously I think that Landino and his team's going to need to apply for a gambling license. So Maybe they can spur Strav along and, and get all this done and move it to the finish line. And like you said, six months should be plenty of time for that, so we'll see if that actually happens. I'm I'm optimistic. I've been opti- I was optimistic about June fifteenth and then July or whatever the next day was. Like an idiot, but I I think I think come next April we will have ten open and, and accepting customers at least in some sort of soft phase. But, you know, maybe I'm stupid for thinking that.
0: Uh, and and on whether or not you think it's smart, I mean, I think that somewhere like March would be a great time to open it up. Uh, you have a couple months to work out the kinks before Memorial Day, but it's not like opening it up in November, let's say, would be where you have six months of really dead time before it picks up. Uh, to me, something like March makes perfect sense. If I were running the Revel, I would probably be aiming for March or April myself.
1: Yeah,
0: you want to move on so, to gaming yeah. news. Gaming news, your favorite part of the podcast of take so, one. <laughs> uh, yes, your favorite part of take one, and also going to be your favorite part of take two. So, first, uh, you as you posted in the Facebook group, skill-based Gaming is coming to Atlantic City this year. Uh, You posted a video in the Facebook group of what appeared to be a pretty old and kind of crappy-looking first-person shooter that is somehow going to be some sort of skill-based gaming um, called Danger Arena. So they're putting that into the TR properties in Atlantic City, and it's going to be really the first taste of electronic-based skill-based gaming in Atlantic City. But not the first case of skill-based gaming in general, because... They had the free throw shooting contest at Borgata, I don't know, about a year and a half ago or two years ago. So, do you want to talk about uh, Danger Arena?
1: Sure, and obviously poker, also skill-based gaming. Um,
0: <laughs> that's true, but it's it's not, Craig. That's a game of chance.
1: Uh, is it? So, uh,
0: I mean, officially it is. It's,
1: it's still pending uh, the Division of Gaming Enforcement approval in the state of New Jersey, so obviously nothing's a slam dunk yet, but... Interesting to see Mark Meltzer, who is at EdgeVegas, Edge E D G E Vegas on Twitter, was at the Global Gaming Expo in Vegas and posted a short video, very, very short video, of this Danger Arena game. It was not at all what I was expecting. I think when I was picturing skill based gaming, I was picturing a standard slot machine and then a bonus game where you do something that can affect your bonus payout. Like, the skee-ball slots, Uh, basically, you know, obviously the skee-ball slots had a big notice when you got to the bonus game where you actually played skee-ball. It said your results in skee-ball do not affect the payout in the bonus game. So just sort of saying, well, now it does, that would be a great (laughs) sort of skill-based game in my mind. This seems to be, basically, you are playing against a couple other players in this first person shooter, and how you do against them is going to affect how you and how everybody else gets paid out. So it's kind of interesting because it feels very different than what I was expecting. The plan is for three of these uh, triple unit carousels at Caesars, so like three machines around kind of this triangle pattern, I guess, at Caesars, two of those at Harrah's, and two at Bally's, um, in the Wild Wild West portion of Bally's. That's according to Daryl McEwen, who is Mr. AC A- Mr. A- Casino uh, on Atlantic City Weekly, also Seven Stars Insider. It's very interesting. Um, I don't know how you feel. Are you interested in going and trying this thing out when it comes to AC, supposedly by the end of the year?
0: Um, yeah, I'll sit down and play it once, probably. I mean, first-person shooters aren't really my forte. Last time I seriously played one was my freshman year of high school. I used to play a lot of Team Fortress 1, which used the Quake engine, and I was never particularly great at them. But, yeah, I'd give it a try.
1: So I'm freaking terrible at these games. Like, I could not be any worse. I've played some of the, like, SOCOM, which is, like, you know, PlayStation 2 back in the day. Uh, I think when I was a freshman in college, horrible at it. I was horrible at Quake and Unreal Tournament and all those things. So I'm, I'm sure I'm going to be bad. I want to try it just because it's interesting and it's different. But what I'll say is I think if if you can beat this thing and if you can just by pure skill dominate and take other people's money it will bring people out like you will have lines waiting to play this because people will learn to beat it like they will be the best player at it or you know highly highly skilled and be basically just be able to kick anybody's ass and at that point it's almost like esports in a much much smaller scale like you're playing against two other people in a short sort of small area which, you could argue, is more like playing your console with two friends in your apartment than playing esports. But there's money involved, which that's not really how I video game with my friends. Although maybe it should be, but
0: it, sh- it, it should be.
1: Yeah. Why? Why don't I? That is a good. Well, probably because I don't ever play video games with my friends is the answer. And who wants to put money on, you know, Super Mario uh, Brothers one for Nintendo Entertainment System? Who doesn't? That's a good point.
0: How would yeah. you even put money on that?
1: Who gets the furthest? Yeah, that's true. You'd have to put some stipulations about like warp worlds and stuff like that. <laughs> like you can't do that. That's cheating.
0: Uh, it's, that sounds like more more effort than it's worth. It does.
1: So I don't know. I think this is interesting. I think it'll be interesting to see how much it takes off takes uh, off once it comes to Atlantic City. I think it's also it'll be interesting to see how big the difference in the payout is like what your return on investment is if you're really dominating in this game because I think that's the thing that we just have no idea about so that's kind of the first thing I'm going to be looking to find out Uh, and if it's one of those things where if you're really really good at it can that return on investment go up a ton or are you really just talking about like a few percent in which case it's probably going to be less worth it although again if you can beat it if it's beatable people will put in the effort to beat it.
0: Yeah, I mean, of course, if you incentivize people getting good, of course, people who are naturally good at it will come and play and work at it and be able to beat most other people that kind of come up to the console and give it a shot. And so there probably is money to be made there. I think the thing I equated it to is kind of like, let's say it were a fighting game like Street Fighter or, or Killer Instinct. Not that anyone's played Killer Instinct in 20 years, but uh, Mortal Kombat, Marvel vs. Capcom, whatever. I mean, it's the same thing. If I walk up to a random arcade cabinet, I'm just going to get smoked by whoever's already there because they've played so much more than me and they're more naturally talented than me. So it, it might kind of be like that and it might really make the first time of most of the people who go up and play it not very fun. But we'll see how it works. I'm interested to see it.
1: Yeah, and that's kind of a problem, right? Like, if it totally scares people off, if you if you know, go in knowing that you're just going to get your ass kicked and lose your money in a few minutes, like, that's not going to be good for the long-term success of the game. I mean, sort of in the way that Daily Fantasy has had this problem where new people come in and just lose, 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 and then they're out of money because they're sharks who are just sucking up all these matchups against crappy players and kind of seeking that out and who have so much data and all that stuff. That's a conversation for another day. But... I'm interested to see because I think this is the, you know, obviously this is a big mission to try to attract a younger generation that's not interested in slot machines. I think if it's done right, it will do that. I'm personally more interested in something like a sort of Mario Kart style, simpler, not shooting people in the face kind of game. I mean, I've I've gone to Barcade, which is a big sort of bar that is an arcade the name is pretty self-explanatory and they've got like Daytona machines and it's awesome. Cause you sit down with three other ple- people and you play this racing game. And typically, you know, it's a bar. So it's not three other people who have been playing this game nonstop and just dominate. And so that's really fun. But if you're just going in and you have no chance, that's less fun, which now yeah, we've said, I think several different ways. <laughs> so I don't know if you want to move on to other sort of millennial, uh, gaming that's meant to attract this young generation that I guess we're technically a part of.
0: You mean like Shaq Jack, your new favorite thing to ever do in a casino?
1: Well, I've never done it, but I'm interested.
0: How does it compare to Royal Derby, Craig? Is it already moved past Royal Derby for your number one, even though you've never done it? Uh,
1: No, no, no. Because I, so you... I, I know that I want to go back and play Royal Derby. I do not know that I'll play this. I could play this once and I'll never want to go back again. That's possible.
0: But you sounded pretty excited about it.
1: Yeah, and everything oh. I've read about it makes me more excited. Just,
0: just dive in. I'm not going to slow you down.
1: Sure. So this, so Shaq Jack is a stadium set, set up Blackjack, which there's already Stadium Blackjack and Stadium Gaming in uh, Mohegan Sun in Connecticut, Palazzo in Las Vegas, The Sands in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Shaq Jack is already at Parks Casino in Ben Salem, Pennsylvania. So this is not necessarily something that's totally new, although it's it's new to Tropicana. And there's actually, uh, just today, I think Tropicana posted their first ever podcast, the Tropcast, that was all about Shack Jack. So if you want to listen to a quick 20-minute podcast about Shack Jack, you can hear the explanation. They actually have uh, dynamic gaming systems, uh, people from that company who is the developer of the game on to talk about it. And so Shack Jack basically is video blackjack but with a live dealer like you're sitting in a video terminal but there's a live dealer in the casino actually dealing cards and the general manager of tropicana steve calendar says shackjack makes it possible for new or casual players to play blackjack without the intimidation of sitting at a communal table with a dealer and experienced players uh, he also says serious players will be happy because they don't have to worry about noobs coming in and screwing up your hand that's not a direct quote uh the previous one was
0: and Stupid it, noobs just sitting at third base, hitting 12s against two and stuff like that, just wrecking you.
1: Yeah, wrecking you, definitely hurt, only hurting you, never, ever, ever helping you. Only hurting you, never
0: helping them, even though it's actually basic strategy, but still wrecking you.
1: Yeah, and, and obviously we know the math says that they're just as likely to help as hurt, but... And
0: mean, we know the math says that you're supposed to hit 12 against a two, despite everyone at the table just yelling at you every time you do it. But continue. Sorry. Uh,
1: sp- splitting twos against a seven is the one that always gets people mad at me for some reason. But uh, the other thing that that this has going for it and that they talk about in the podcast is that it's going to be $5 minimum anytime. So Friday night you go to Tropicana and the cheapest blackjack tables are you know $15 if you're lucky here's an option to play $5 with a live dealer if you really want to call this a live dealer game. I have a feeling a lot of people are going to say that this doesn't satisfy them in the same way as sort of a real just sitting at a table with, with four other people and a dealer, just you and the dealer. Um, obviously, they're trying to bridge that gap because, um, and they even straight out mentioned, like there is distrust of the standard video terminal where there is like a woman with a, some kind of low-cut top on trying to entice you to come play play. Crappy six five blackjack at a video ma- at a video machine. Uh, there's distrust of sort of, oh well, if I lose, it's because the machine knew what I had, which is you know obviously that's not how it works. These things are highly regulated. But the interesting thing to me about this game is not that it's stadium gaming, um, and it's some new concept. It's more the idea of how this game is dealt in a different way that makes it so that a bunch of people can play. The same hand and have different results where they are not affecting. Like, it's not like you're voting on a hand and saying, oh, well, 51% want to hit, so the other 49% are screwed. Like, that's not how it works. So, let me explain how it works. You've got a bunch of terminals. Every terminal has a video screen that's like eye level and a touch screen that's down, you know, by your hands. There's a dealer somewhere in the casino. They mentioned on the podcast, on the Tropcast today that. The dealer could actually be, you know, elsewhere in the casino, but I don't think that's probably the way that most people are going to want to play it. They're going to want to be in the same room as the dealer and be able to at least see the dealer that they're standing there and not like locked in some closet. So the dealer is there with a continuous shuffler. The table looks for the most part like a blackjack table. There's a three, it's a three seat, basically blackjack table, nobody's sitting there. And the dealer deals it out just like a normal hand. They have an up card and a whole card. They show three, three hands, two cards for each hand. When you're sitting at one of the terminals, before the, the deal starts, you select which hand you want to play. And so the video actually puts a little shack-jack icon over the other two so you don't see them. You're only looking at your hand. So you get your two cards. The dealer gets their up card and their whole card. They're actually scanned in real time and show up digitally on your touchpad as well. And so to this point, it's just totally a normal blackjack game. What's interesting is how it changes from here because obviously they want 100 people to be able to play a hand at once. And at so at this point, you say, do you want to hit or stand? A bunch of people can be making the same decision on the same hand as you. And the dealer now deals from the deck into what is called a hit box, I think, <laughs> is what they call it. So on the video... Or on the table, you see this hit box off to the right, and that's where the dealer deals the cards. If you've chosen to stand, that card goes to the dealer, assuming the dealer does not have, like, you know, hard 17 or higher and is in a stand hand anyway. If you've chosen to hit, the card comes to you. And so it's scanning that digitally, and so everybody's terminal knows what their hand is. So basically depending on what you've chosen the next card that goes into the hit box either goes to you or to the dealer. It was actually meaningless. Like the hand could be totally over if you've stand if you've said to stand and the dealer is said to stand or if the dealer's busted, they could still be dealing cards because other people in the game still need cards, but that's how you can get hundreds or thousands or really infinite people playing the same hand and having it not uh actually matter for other people who are playing the same hand so it's really interesting to me just sort of from a game design standpoint the question is do you actually want to play this
0: um no not really i mean i'll give it a shot but personally i'd rather sit at a real blackjack table and have a real dealer there and play an actual game of blackjack that comes from a shoe that you know Sometimes third base will mess you up and sometimes third base will help you out. That's, that's what my preference is, but uh, to each their own, Uh, the casinos obviously hope that this, you know, a reduces their dealer costs, but B maybe introduces some new people to blackjack people who would be otherwise too intimidated to play. So I don't know. We'll see.
1: I do think there's something to the intimidation factor that dissuades people from sitting at a normal blackjack table. Uh, I do think there's something to lower limits obviously I mean if you go to Tropicana and the lowest limit is $25 and you're not comfortable with that uh, this is obviously an alternative that's cheaper than that so I could definitely see myself playing mainly for that reason like I'm there on a Saturday night everything's really expensive I just kind of want to hang out I mean I definitely want to see it so I definitely want to play it just to see it and to experience it it's entirely possible that I'll play it and just think like man this really sucks I actually don't like this at all i'd rather play real blackjack like i feel like i'm playing on a laptop or something in which case i'll just go play on my phone i don't need to be playing shack themed gambling at the trop (laughs) but i do think that's interesting they've also sort of uh cheesed it up a little bit with some design elements some obviously it's very shack themed it's supposed to be very fun like i mentioned they've got those basketball hoop cup holders There's also something where Shaq apparently will randomly appear on your screen and give you a prize, and that can be like a real prize, like a T-shirt or something, which uh, I think you would normally say, like, who cares, who wants a T-shirt, but then look at how many casinos say, come earn a tier credit and get a free T-shirt on Wednesday, resorts. Uh, So obviously there is some incentive there. I think it adds a layer of sort of goofiness that I feel like, the smart part of me should not appreciate, but I just can't help myself. Like free stuff is free stuff. And like the corny sort of kitschy nature of this, I really – I, I want to see it and I want to play it in the same way that I wanted to play Royal Derby so bad. So I don't know. I'm, I'm interested. I'm excited about it probably more than I should be. And I'm definitely looking forward to playing it when we're there in a month.
0: So speaking of free stuff – are you going to be wearing your resort shirt to our made-up? Your, like, quadruple XL resort shirt?
1: No, it is a triple XL, so I will not. That thing is a blanket. So if you, you
0: probably should be wearing it.
1: I should. My 2015 Hot Summer Fun at Resorts it's, t-shirt, triple yeah, XL.
0: That's probably what the people want.
1: It is. Well, it's and not, not going to happen. Sorry, people.
0: Aren't we in the business of giving the people what they want?
1: Uh... I don't know that we're in any kind of business, really.
0: We haven't monetized
1: at all, so I don't know.
0: Well, yeah, well, it's fine. I mean, this brings some... me, it brings me value doing this, Craig, and isn't that what's important?
1: Yeah. So basically, you're saying that I should put on that crazy triple XL resort shirt for your own amusement.
0: At some point during the trip, that needs to be what you're wearing. So I don't. I don't know. Yeah. Bring... Craig, for those who know, isn't he's? You're not really the type of person that would, at any point in an Atlantic City trip, just be wearing a t-shirt. I think so. You're a bit more formal than that. I'd say usually.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's pretty rare that I'm wearing just like a t-shirt and jeans. I usually have you know a polo shirt because I'm that formal. Yeah. Uh, I'll I'll bring that if you
0: bring the satin casino jacket. Well, uh, we'll see. It can be worked out. <laughs> We're making. So for those here. of you who don't know, Craig. Uh, Craig and a couple other of my friends bought me a satin casino jacket, uh, that's double sided. Of course it's, uh, TI on one side, I think, and Mirage on the other, I believe. Uh, and I believe it's the Mirage side. I'm not sure which side, but one of them is like bright purple, like oh. really, it's fantastic.
1: Yeah. I think it's the TI side and it's like an I, anchor yeah, or not, a, or like a, one of those boat wheels. Oh, it's pretty, it's so
0: pretty nice. It was one of your better eBay purchases.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty happy with the 30 bucks or whatever I spent on that. So back to multiple people betting on the same thing because we need to knock this thing out, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the same concept except scaled up. Golden Nugget is actually now offering live dealer gaming online. You have to be in New Jersey to play. Blackjack, roulette, or dragon bonus baccarat. Obviously, roulette and baccarat. It doesn't matter. Like, you could have infinite number of people at the same roulette wheel, except that space won't allow it. So this, so that doesn't change the game at all. It's interesting because I said I'm really excited about Shack Jack, but like I just don't give a crap about this live dealer online play at all.
0: And not only that, but I demanded. I mean, I requested initially, but then when you were bulking a bit i said that you need to do this and that was on friday when we recorded this the first time and it's apparent that you still have not tried this out
1: no no i didn't try it out you be... need to
0: just buy into the golden nugget i'm sure that it's like what it's probably five bucks max maybe even cheaper
1: i don't know they need to entice me with some sweet sign-up bonus um, oh really that's Have the... you ne-
0: you've never bought into the golden nuggets online casino
1: no I think only Yeah,
0: I mean, why data. would you ever buy into an online casino you know, if there wasn't a sweet buy-in bonus?
1: Right. I mean, we yeah. we came up in the age of video poker where everybody was giving you some oh, stupid yeah. bonus that, was, that you had to That make. was
0: our our heyday was the the golden age of of video poker when we were or in college. Not,
1: not video poker, but
0: uh, Yeah, um, online poker.
1: I think we both just misspoke there. Online poker. Yeah. Uh, sort of, you know.
0: 2002 to 2005 was really a, a heyday for that. So well, all right. We'll we'll keep waiting. I'm sure there's probably actually a free version you can play because you're in the state. Although, well, I'm not 100 of that. Not Yeah, with that's dealer. I'm sure. Probably true.
1: They're not going to wow. be paying someone to deal Damn. to some idiot who's just using fun chips.
0: Anyway, I have. I personally have nothing further to say about either Shack Jack or or Gold Nugget. Do you have anything that you want to say I mean, about? Just that but, I, I don't
1: mistrust well, the machine, so I'd rather – I'm fine just playing digital blackjack instead of de- live dealer blackjack if I'm on my iPad anyway.
0: <laughs> I, I personally wouldn't do either. I mean
1: – Yeah, it's not
0: – For it's, me – It's just
1: burning through your cash for one
0: thing. Right. The thing with playing a game that's like so – it's like so low variance just with a machine. It's just like you're going to lose money, Right. Mm-hmm. Like you're, it's going to just be a slow drain on your bank account. At least with a slot machine, you can hit a jackpot or something and like, okay, so maybe something interesting could happen. And like, yeah, on a blackjack, you could go on like a run or whatever, but it's, there's just no, there would be no joy in sitting down at a machine and, and playing electronic blackjack for me. So I don't know. I think there's, there's something to at least doing live dealer online. Cause I, I think I'd prefer that, but, uh, I'm not sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, at the very least, I'll say it's exciting to talk about these kind of innovations, whether it's the Live Dealer Online or the Shack Jack or the the first-person shooter skill-based gaming, just because it's something different and it's cool to see these casinos try to do different things rather than just say, oh, well, you're going to resorts. Here's an offer for $20. Match play. Like, you know, just marketing and trying to shuffle people to different casinos in the same who are already going to Atlantic City anyway, to actually try to do something. I think this might bring some people to Atlantic City. Maybe that's overly optimistic, but, you know, it'll just be cool to see some different interesting stuff.
0: Yeah, I mean, I suppose. I mean, I wouldn't call live dealer online blackjack an innovation. I mean, it's been around for a while. I know I've seen it many years ago just when I was bigger into sports betting and most of those places also had casinos and, and you know, I never really played in the actual casino, but I know that they actually had live dealers for their, their blackjack games. And I don't even think that's like one to a hundred, like you're talking about now. I think like you could actually get a seat and it's like you're playing the hand or whatever. All right. Are we ready to move on to the close? Yeah,
1: let's do it. So I think we cut about 15 minutes off of this thing from, from take one.
0: Yeah, It's not bad. So, as I said in the middle of the episode, uh, if you are interested in either meeting the two of us, unlikely, or, you know, Eric, who we've had on as a guest, or anyone else that, that listens, much more likely. Uh I th- please, I think Neil was on the latest
1: episode of uh, You Can Bet On That, by the way, as a caller.
0: Yeah, I, I, I did hear that. Actually, a couple people uh, that are in our... Facebook group. I believe we on two episodes ago. H Y and that I don't remember the guy's name, but he has Nationals logo as his Facebook icon. Carl. Um, if but, you want to meet either the two of us or any of our far more interesting listeners, uh, please come to the Mountain Bar in the Wild, Wild West Friday, November fourth at seven thirty. There was actually uh, some talk about it in the Facebook group was building today, so it actually seems like. There may be more people there than we initially thought. So that's great. Just quick, over, under, how many people do you think are going to be there? Ten. Uh, I'm going to go with the over.
1: Over? Yeah. Optimistic. I mean, just with
0: us and our friends, it's going to be like...
1: Oh, I wasn't including us and our friends. Oh. So like 15?
0: I'd say that's... I don't know.
1: Is that overly optimistic?
0: Yeah, I might take the under, but we'll see.
1: I think it's going to be a packed house they're not even going yeah, to gonna fit be able to fit us in the mountain bar. We're just going to totally
0: take that place over. No. So anyway, it should be a good time. The last meetup was a really great time. I know that, uh, at least most of the gang that was there last time will be there again. And it sounds like a bunch of newer listeners and newer Facebook group members are going to be there. So should be fun. Friday, November 4th, seven thirty at the mountain bar. Uh, let us know Facebook or Twitter or email if you're going to be there or not. Uh, if you think that all of the conversations that we've had uh, that came from a post on the Facebook group sound interesting, please join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash do for a win or just search for do for a win on Facebook. Uh, I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again. Uh, the Facebook group is really fantastic. It's where I get a lot of my news on Atlantic City, which is great because it's like you guys are doing my work for me. And I love that. Uh, but but seriously, the conversation is super great. I mean, we don't really have problems with, uh, you know, let's say we don't have problematic conversations. I haven't had to go in a single time and tell someone to knock it off or delete a bunch of posts or anything like that. Follow us at doforawin.com for our podcasts. Or to see all of our other content, which we post very sporadically. Uh, you can find our podcast on iTunes to Google Play, search for do for a win or just for Atlantic City, and we'll be up near the top. Uh, you can send a message to Craig either at do for a win on Twitter or to doforawin at gmail.com. Uh, is there anything you want to say before we? Oh, I said I was going to say something before we we stopped, but I forgot. So to uh, HY, uh, he had a bit of feedback in the Facebook group about how I waffle sometimes when Craig asks me a direct question and I neither say yes or no to it. I just say, I don't know, or we will have to see. Um, you're probably right. And I probably do do that a bit more than I should. And while I think that it's important to not Pretend to have all of the information at your fingertips or to know everything Uh, especially in this age of you know we're going through the election now and that's what i think people as a whole want from the candidates is for them to act like they know everything or want from their pundits whether it be political pundits on the right or the left Uh, i don't think that's ever going to be my style i'm probably going to be a bit more thoughtful about things i think a bit of intellectual humility and admitting that you don't know is good but i will try to be better when craig asks me a question i will try to answer with uh, a yes or a no if it's a yes or no question and i won't say i don't know or we will have to see so i think you were correct hy so I'm sorry about that, and I will try to do better. And to Mike C, who I think was worried that I might go too far, I don't think you have to worry about that. I just don't think it's my personality to become uh, this sort of pundit which I, I mentioned. Uh, what do you have to say, Greg?
1: Well, s- somebody has to balance me out when I'm sitting here talking out of my ass for 20 minutes, so I appreciate that you uh, can can be the calm person. and And when I am just acting like I have all the answers at my fingertips, you will tell me, that I'm uh, flat out wrong, such as with the union conversation that we had last episode.
0: I don't actually think you do that. I'd actually say I don't think you do that at all. But well, I, I'll try harder then. And for those of you who don't know, the Tropicana released their first podcast today all about Shaq Jack. So if Craig's 30-minute talk about Shaq Jack, his monologue didn't inspire you enough and you need more, please listen to the Tropicana's podcast about it as well. And you can get 20 more minutes of Shaq Jack content, which I know is exactly what you want.
1: Yeah, and then after the meetup, we can all go to play Shack Jack. <laughs> I'm sure Kyle's on board. Maybe we'll no, have to you do not
0: even you don't even want to... Like, we don't even want to play Shack Jack. We just want to hear you talk about it for okay. another half hour. So I'll,
1: I'll play on Friday, like, right when I get there, so I can talk about it for just hours on end when we're yeah, actually at the meetup.
0: Yeah, it's going to be great.
1: I think that's a good plan.
0: So anyway, as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, we did switch it up a little bit. I i'm trying out the host which i think the benefits are it keeps me a bit more involved in the conversation um and it helps even out the amount that we talk a little bit though i suppose i suspect it's still not 50 50 so let us know how you think it went um any last words before we sign off greg
1: no just good luck at the casinos if you're heading out sometime before we talk to you again
0: all right yeah this has been a little bit of a long one but definitely best of luck if you go to the casinos let us know how you do in the facebook group and um we look forward to seeing you all one month from tomorrow
1: yeah and hopefully this thing recorded
0: and we will talk to you all in a couple weeks maybe with a special episode but maybe not we are still working out details but we'll talk to you guys soon No. You you take your 45 minutes of Shack Jack and you yeah. like it. Yeah. It's sit good for
1: down. you, S- Sit down and put those headphones back in. I'm not t- I'm talking <laughs> about Shack Jack. <laughs>